Hello, uh, this is Eli Shaubi. We will today be uh, doing the seventh chapter of Ilkhot Shahita, uh, the chapter dealing with the various uh, illnesses and, uh, regarding punctures in the lung. Uh, this is a very relevant chapter uh, for the laws of uh, Kashrut uh, that are relevant both theoretically and practically today, as uh, the lung is the primary uh, case of terifot. Uh, that we deal with in Kashut today. Um, before I begin, I'll give a short introduction as to how the uh, lung works and how the respiratory system in general uh, works uh, in, uh, I mean, in all vertebrates, so also in the cow, but also in humans. Um, so first of all, again, for those looking at the YouTube channel, and I suggest, for those listening to the podcast, I suggest looking at the YouTube channel because I'll be using a lot of images that will be helpful in understanding the halachot. Uh, so first of all, this is a picture of, uh, the, this is the human lung, but it's not very different from how the, uh, the bovine uh, lung works either. Um, essentially, the lung is uh, inside, right? We see here the trachea, right? Uh, which we've been talking about for a while now. The trachea goes down and ends in the lung. Now. Uh, the lung is composed, uh, is sits inside, it's in the thora thoracic cavity, right, which is the, which is a hole in the chest that contains the lung, the heart, and a few other uh, things, it's separated with uh, the diaphragm, which then on the other side of the diaphragm is the stomachs, uh, liver, and so on and so forth. So in this part of the, the, uh, of the cavity of the beta halal, as as the chachamim talk uh, say, we have uh, the trachea, which goes into the lung, and when it reaches the lung, it splits into uh, bronchi. Bronchi are these small little, or these smaller uh, uh, branches, which uh, bring the oxygen that the human breathed in and bring them to the lungs. Um, these bronchi will then split off into smaller bronchioles. And you see a little bit here, it's splitting off even a little bit more. Um, and we'll keep on splitting until uh, it reaches the end, which are uh, I think called alveola. Uh, here is a picture of how it looks in the human lung, right? So here it splits off into two, one to the left lung, one to the right lung. And then from there, it continues to split off. And at the end, you have these alveola, which are these uh, like, grape cluster uh, looking uh, things uh, and the the uh, uh, the air carrying the oxygen meets with uh, blood and helps in bringing the oxygen to the blood which will then be circulated to the entire body um, that is how breathing works in general now uh, if you look again at the lung the lung sits in uh, this uh, sac uh, called the uh, called the uh, the plural the plural sac. Okay, uh, the plural sac you can see here on the outer layer of the of the lung has uh, these is is the outer lining of the lung and is uh, what basically what holds the lung in place. Very much like we saw regarding the uh, heart, which also has a uh, sac of its own. Uh, so here we have the sac of the lung, and the sac of the lung has uh, 
uh, two parts. It has uh, a parietal pleura, which is this this area, this membrane, which is uh, closer to the lung itself. Okay, and then we have uh, after that the uh, sorry sorry the visceral pleura. My apologies. I apologize. The visceral pleura, which is the part closest to the lung, and then the part uh, farther away is the parietal pleura. Okay, that's these two pink lines and uh, the, like brighter pink lines, and then this darker pink, which is in the middle, is called the pleural cavity. Okay, uh, we have these two membranes, and in between the pleural cavity, which contains in it a uh, uh, pleural uh, fluid, um, which is useful in allowing us to breathe, and for the uh, for the various lines of the lung to move back and forth, uh, the, the fluid allows it to do so. Um, okay, and then, so the, this parietal uh, pleura, which is on the outer end of the lung, is what is closest to the rib cage. Right here you can see it on the left lung, uh, or actually this would be the right lung, because uh, it's from the perspective of the human, right? So even if it's our left, it's the human's right, so that's the, the right lung, right? So here uh, we see the rib cage with all the various ribs with uh, flesh uh, across it, right? Uh, and that would be uh, next to the parietal pleura. Okay, that's the my general introduction to how uh, the lung and the and breathing in general works. Uh, this information will be useful as we look at the halachot uh, in, uh, in this chapter. Okay, there are two membranes on the uh, on the um, on the lung. If one of them is punctured without the other being punctured, then it is permitted, right? So we are, uh, and if both of them are punctured, then it is a terifa, right? So we already looked, we saw that there were eight types of terifot, and one of them is the nekuva, right, is a puncture. We saw the punctures regarding all of the other organs, and now uh, we're going to be dealing with the uh, right? So a lung that is punctured is a terifa, and in order for it to become a terifa, it needs to be punctured in both uh, membranes. Uh, I believe this to be referring to... Uh, these two, uh, the parietal pleura and the visceral pleura, these two uh, membranes, then together make up the pleural, the pleural sac. Um, I will note that the Yochai Makbili version does not agree with me and thinks that the uh, upper, that all of this is just the upper, uh, uh, the upper pleura, uh, the upper membrane, the crum elion. That the lower membrane is referring to uh, the at the end of the alveolar um, the alveolar sacs, which also there there's a membrane. Though I do not think that is correct. I think that this is more accurate, and that these two uh, membranes they make up the uh, they are the two membranes that Rambam talked about here. And I'll explain I'll explain why I don't think that their explanation is correct in the future. Um, so the main the main point is here. It says that they are on the the lung 
and that other one's not on the lung, it's inside the lung. And I don't think that that is correct. So there are two, uh, okay. So And even if the entire upper um, upper uh, membrane was like removed uh, and and disappeared, this is still permitted, so long as the lower one is still there. Uh, because the, the, the puncture needs to go through both. And the trachea that is uh, punctured from the chest and downwards, even just a little bit, is also a terefa. And this is from the location that it is no that the that, uh, that the trachea is no longer fit for slaughter. Right as we saw earlier, a right the border of the trachea is from the arytenoid cartilage up top all the way until the edge of the lung at the bottom, uh, and that a puncture in the trachea is only from a majority of the trachea. Once, however, we pass the edge of the lung, then it is no longer about being a majority of the trachea, but even just a little bit of the trachea. If he began in slaughtering and he and he cut the entirety of the trachea, and then the uh, and then the uh, lung was punctured, and then he finishes the slaughter. This is a terifa, uh, since it uh, was punctured prior to completing the uh, shahita, and and so to anything like this, right? So the shahita in the uh, behema and the domesticated animal needs to cut both the trachea and the esophagus. So here, even if he finished the entirety of the trachea, but he didn't finish both of them yet, and then a punctured a puncture happened in the lung before he was able to complete the esophagus, uh, complete cutting the esophagus, then uh, this would be a terifa since the uh, puncture occurred prior to cutting the esophagus. Uh, of course, this halakha cannot be relevant regarding a bird because with a bird, only one of the semen needs to be cut, and as soon as he cuts the trachea, then it is, uh, it is he has completed the shahita. Uh, hold on one second. Okay. Uh, a one of the symponim. Uh, Simpon is like a uh, a pipe, right? So here, this is referring to either the bronchi or the bronchioles. One of these splitting offs of the trachea that is in the uh, lung. So one of these that has been punctured, even if it is punctured into one of its 
one of the other uh, uh, bronchioles or bron uh, bronchioles, then it is a terefa, meaning even if the puncture goes through one, but there's another one that is right there next to it, so it kind of seals it, uh, that is not considered, uh, that, that, that is still a terefa. And a lung that was punctured and a clot came up on the place that it was hit and sealed the puncture is not considered to be anything, meaning the, uh, the, uh, the clot does not make it, uh, also, also does not count as closing the uh, the puncture and it remains a terefa. Um, okay, here too, uh, I need to give a little introduction. Uh, so we spoke about how the lung uh, generally works in all animals. Uh, now I'll talk a little bit specifically about the uh, lung of a cow. The lung of a cow uh, looks like this for those looking at the YouTube. Uh, it uh, has, there, there, basically there's a right lung and a left lung. Uh, these two parts make up, uh, make up the lungs. Uh, and they have, uh, they're divided into sections, which are formed by the, uh, by the plural sac. Uh, so here we can see in the right, the right section has a, uh, four lobes, and the left lung has three lobes, um, which uh, our hachamim gave various names to. Uh, there's a little bit of a difference between how modern anatomy uh, defines lobes from how hachamim defined the lobes. I'll first give the modern uh, scientific explanation, and I'll explain how that matches what our hachamim uh, uh, described on in so in the in the cow uh, we have uh, according to our modern science we have on the right uh, on the right uh, lung which is our left right so the, the so what we see on the left is called the right lung because we're talking about from the perspective of the person who has the lung and then our what is an our right would be considered the left lung. So let's begin with the left lung, which is on our right. So on top, we have a cranial lobe. And on the bottom, we have our caudal lobe. The, the caudal lobe is this very large lobe that we see on the bottom. And our, on the top, we have the cranial lobe, which, does, which is divided into two parts, which you can kind of see with this little crevice uh, in the middle. The top part is called the cranial part of the cranial lobe, and the bottom part is called the caudal part of the cranial lobe. Okay, so we have the cranial lobe and the caudal lobe. Uh, and the cranial part, uh, the cranial lobe has two parts. So together, that makes up three, or it makes up two lobes. First lobe, which has two parts, and the second lobe, right? So together, they make up three. Uh, on the right lung, we also have a cranial, uh, a cranial lobe and the caudal lobe, right? The caudal lobe is also this large part. 
section, though, we have one other part called the middle lobe, which is here uh, in between the cranial lobe and the caudal lobe, uh, which does not exist on the in the left lung. Uh, so the right lung has one lobe more than the uh, than the uh, right lung. Sorry, the right lung has one uh, lobe more than the left lung. Left lung. Now our hachamim called these on the top, they called them unot. And the bottom one, they called umhare'a. So the large lobe, which is the caudal lobe, they called umhare'a, um from like mother, which means the primary or the, like the largest uh, lobe since it is significantly larger than the other ones. The unot, on the other hand, are the uh, the ones on top, the left lung ha has two unot, and the right lung has three unot. Uh, right, so they consider the two parts of the cranial lobe to be two separate lobes. In addition, there's also in the middle uh, this accessory lobe, also called an intermediate lobe, uh, which kind of is its own thing, uh, standing on top. Um, which we won't deal with so much in this chapter, but we'll talk about it a little bit in the next chapter. Okay. So, so if the, uh, the caudal lobe, right, the, the bottom, the larger lobe of the, uh, of the lung were punctured, uh, even though uh, the dolphins, even though the wall, uh, uh, seals it. This is a terifa. Okay, so uh, again, looking at the picture, the so the rib cage, right? Imagine the rib cage beginning up top where the lung is beginning, uh, it, and it becomes wider as it goes down. Okay, so the top part is is the rib cage is is rather is is rather thinner, and at the bottom it's wider. Okay, so um, so the bottom it will not necessarily be sealed very well by the wall, but it, it can still be sealed. Um, so, but since the sealing of the wall uh, does not seal it very well, uh, this the sealing is considered to be temporary, and therefore uh, does is not considered sufficient to seal any sort of of uh of, of puncture in the the uh um in the caudal lobe um okay but if the puncture is in the place where uh, the unoth, where the other lobes, the upper lobes are divided, meaning on the border between the um and between the caudal lobe and the middle lobe, or the caudal lobe and the um, cranial lobe, or between the border between any of the lobes, if the puncture is exactly there, uh, which is the place where uh, these uh, upper lobes are sitting. On top of it, meaning on top of the print of the uh, caudal lobe, then 
this is uh, Kishira, uh, since the lobes will seal each other. So what case are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about a case uh, where uh, what where when we have this uh, puncture uh, in the unot in the upper uh, upper lobes that what is sealing that puncture is flesh. But if what is sealing the puncture is bone, then the bone does not protect. Right? We saw this also in the previous chapter, that there are various uh, things that if we have a puncture and something is sealing it, that this, uh, this, uh, um, considers, this makes it uh, considered to not be punctured and makes it permitted. However, certain things which are hard are not sufficient for sealing. And a bone here is also included in that, right? So since the bone does not protect uh, from uh, this puncture, it is not uh, considered to be a seal for it. Um, we have a picture so you can understand what we're talking about. Uh, so this picture that we saw, right? So we have the lung and, so it, and the lung, some parts have flesh and some parts have bone, right? So if the puncture is on a part of the lung that is opposite a bone, then that is what we're talking about that would be prohibited. If it's opposite a part that is uh, with flesh, then that would be permitted, right? So that, uh, you can see that in this picture. But if the uh, puncture that is on the upper lobes is uh, stuck to the to both uh, uh, um, bone and flesh, then it is permitted. Okay. Now, first of all, uh, let's. I want to talk a little bit about uh, what it means for it to be stuck. Um, now, so we spoke a little bit about these. Uh, uh, about uh, the plural stack and these various uh, and these two membranes. Now, occasionally, if a puncture occurs in one of these uh, in one of these uh, uh, membranes or in the membrane, the plural sac, um, or various illnesses that can occur, whether from uh, bacteria like. Uh, uh, bronchitis or tuberculosis or something like this, or cancer, um, or various other uh, types of of diseases, or some tr uh, trauma like a, that, like a stabbing or some sort of a, uh, like hard hit that the animal uh, or human suffered. Uh, these can cause uh, various uh, problems in the lung and. Because of these problems, uh, sometimes adhesions are formed, which connect the uh, the lung to the uh, chest wall, right? So, again, looking here, we see the lung, the pleural sac with its two uh, its two 
uh, membranes with the pleural cavity in the middle, and then the chest wall, right? The chest wall, which is formed by the rib cage. Um, and a, an adhesion can be formed. An adhesion is like this, uh, this fibrous uh, uh, type of uh, connective tissue, which will seal uh, a puncture, but it will not necessarily be a puncture. It can be other things as well. Uh, although some of our hachamim uh, did think that it will always be a result of a puncture, though according to Rabbeinu, that is not the case. Um, and the and they will connect uh, the lungs with uh, with the chest wall. Uh, these and this is called a sircha. A sircha can also it doesn't necessarily have to connect to the chest wall. It can also connect from the various lobes of the lung, uh, as we will see also. Um, but these are uh, signs that our hachamim use uh, to see whether a the lung is punctured or not. In our so when we see uh, that it is davuk uh, that's talking about it having a uh, having a adhesion. Okay. For example, here is a picture. Uh, where you can see adhesions. For example, here's the lung. You can see it. You can see the adhesions that are connecting all all along the rib cage in this animal. Right, these fibrous tissues are called adhesions. Okay. <laughs> Okay. The uh, so the caudal um, lobe, right? The 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 bottom lobe, which is bigger, uh, that is found to be uh, stuck to the wall, or right, the uh, the chest wall. Um, now, by stuck here, we mean that there are adhesions. Regardless of whether simachim, I'll talk about these in a second, simachim uh, are like some sort of uh, little hairs or something like this. Uh, regardless of whether there are simachim or not, uh, we are skeptic, we, we suspect that the, uh, that the lobe might have been punctured. Okay. Now, um, so, okay, so what are these simachim? So, uh, there are various diseases that can occur in the lungs. Uh, one of these is, well, one of the primary diseases in the lungs is called pulmonary effusion, which is which occurs when we have too much fluid in the pleural cavity, right? So, we talked about the pleural cavity that exists between the two membranes, uh, and that that cavity contains a little bit of of fluid that allows for a smooth breathing to occur. Now, sometimes too much fluid will enter into that cavity, uh, and that fluid can either be more of the pleural fluid or it can be external fluids, such as blood, which might come from a stabbing or something like this, or uh, pus, or even urine, uh, various fluids that shouldn't be there. Um, that are that are brought there by various illnesses. Um, 
specifically the, in the case of pus, uh, which is called pleural empyema, as a type of disease, a type of pulmonary effusion. Uh, in the process of forming of the pus in this in, in the pleural cavity, there are some fibrous septa, which are uh, like these little hairs that start forming pus pockets, uh, which are which is the disease. Uh, these septa is what is referred to as the semahim here. Okay, so regardless of whether these septa are seen or not, right? And the reason that it doesn't matter whether we see these or not is because if there are these semahim, then it is a sign that pleural empyema is starting to occur in this animal. But there are other types of pulmonary effusion that can occur that do not have pus, but rather, like I said, have either blood or urine or even just more pleural fluid. And in those cases, there wouldn't be uh, these semachem, right? These semachem are peculiar to the case of pus. Uh, so regardless of whether we see it or not, we see them or not, we still suspect that it might have been uh, been uh, punctured since uh, pus is not the only form that we are suspicious of. Okay, so what do we do in order to check? So we need to check to see if, uh, because we, sus we suspect, we need to check to see if th there is a puncture. How do we check? Okay, so how do we check if we are suspicious? Uh, if, uh, so we uh, remove the, the, um, the lung from the chest wall, right? We said that the chest wall is stuck to the wall because of all these head adhesions. So we go with our hand and we remove uh, the lung from the chest wall. And while we do this, we are careful to not puncture the lung. Now we check the lung. If we find that it is punctured, uh, then uh, we, uh, we look at the wall and we see that if it had at the chest wall, at the chest wall, if we see that there's a hit in the portion in the place of the uh, puncture, then we uh, we assume that the this hit that this puncture is a product of a hit, and we say that this occurred after uh, the slaughter, and that right that the puncture occurred after the slaughter, and that it happened when uh, it. Uh, and it was removed from the hit, meaning that we uh, we assume that it was when we removed the uh, the lung from the chest wall that at that point the uh, the the uh, the puncture was formed. It was formed as a product of our attempt to remove it from the chest wall, uh, and therefore we say that it is kshera. Uh, uh, but if there is no hit in the wall, 
right? Which was what we were careful to, to try and prevent. If we don't see any hit in the wall, then we know that this puncture that we see in the lung existed prior to the shahita and is therefore terifa, right? So, uh, right to sum up, so we remove we remove the uh, lung from the wall. We check to see if there is a uh, this hit. If we see the hit, then it is then it is kishira. Uh, if we don't see a hit, then it is terifa. This halacha uh, is one of the uh, one of the primary halachot that uh, there is significant disagreement about. Uh, Maran uh, uh, Rav Yosef Karo, who authored the Shulchan Aruch, it, uh, remarks that there that any sort of of uh, of adhesion uh, is necessarily a sign of a uh, of a uh, puncture, and that we may not uh, try to remove the lung from the uh, from the chest wall. And we may not try and uh, there's no way to check uh, to remove it to check to see if it might not be punctured. Unlike what Rabbeinu says here, and this is what is meant by halak bet Yosef. When we say halak bet Yosef, or that the wall is smooth. In accordance with the position of the Bet Yosef, uh, uh, who was, which was authored by Maran, so he said that there cannot be any check. So halak meaning that there are no adhesions whatsoever. According to Rabbeinu, that is not necessary. If we see an adhesion, we do this check to see that it might still be uh, uh, permitted. A, uh, a lung which uh, has uh, a place that is kind of vacuumed, right, is, uh, that is, is sealed, uh, so that air cannot flow in, even just a little bit, uh, and it doesn't uh, expand, right? That when you take the lung and you blow into it, that area does not expand, meaning the air doesn't get there, then this is uh, considered as if it is punctured, right? If it were punctured, it also wouldn't expand because if it were, or, right, if it were a very large puncture, right? If there were a very large puncture, then also air would come out instead of expanding in the area, right? So, we say this is as if it is punctured, and we and we consider it a terefa. Now, this can also occur for uh, many various reasons. Uh, there are various, uh, like we saw, like we said earlier, that a pulmonary effusion is one of the primary uh, diseases in the lungs. Another uh, very common uh, disease in the lungs is various obstructive lung diseases. Uh, obstructive lung diseases are uh, are diseases which obstruct the lungs, meaning they block the air pathways and don't allow for air to uh, go through, um, such as chronic obstructive uh, pulmonary disease, or COPD, uh, also called emphysema, uh, where air pockets might form in the lungs, 
And with these air pockets also, air cannot uh, get through as they kind of seal uh, the lungs. Um, okay. Uh, uh, how, how do we check? Uh, so, right, so we, we want to, how do we check to make sure that it is atum, right? Uh, and it's not, not to check to see if it's nekuva, right? Because we said there is no nekiv here. There is no uh, puncture here. Uh, it, is a, it is atum. It is sealed, right? And because it is sealed, we consider it as if it is punctured. So how do we check to see that it is indeed sealed? Okay, so how do we check it? We rip the area that did not expand when uh, when it was blown into. Um, if so, and then when we rip it open, if we find that in this uh, area of the lung that was not expanding, if we find in it leha, uh, uh, like uh, some sort of liquid, then it is permitted, uh, meaning it's not a terifa, because we say that the air did not enter into that area of the of the lung because of the liquid that was there, right? So there was no there was no problem with the lung itself, but rather it was just a product of liquid that was there. If the liquid would have been would be removed, then the lung would function properly. But if we don't find any leha there, any liquid, I mean this could any type of fluid, it could be also mucus or anything like this, any type of fluid. If we don't find any fluid there, then we put on uh, on the uh, on that area, we put a little bit of spit or straw or even a uh, a, le uh, uh, a, uh, a feather. That was the word. We put a feather or something like this, right? Anything that is like small and very light, and then. We bl we blow into the uh, into the lung, right? So we take the trachea, we blow into it, and when we blow into it, the lung should expand. If the area in which we put this straw or or uh, or uh, feather or spit, right? If this area, if the if this item uh, moves a little bit, right? It starts to uh, shake. Then it is kshera, right? Because if it's shaking, then that's a sign that uh, that that air is coming into that area. Because if there were no air coming in, then it wouldn't uh, move those things. But since it, it is, uh, then the hole that was produced because we ripped it open, uh, so that's causing it to that's causing those things to move. Uh, and then we know that there is some air going through and it's not and it's not sealed and because it's not sealed it wouldn't be considered as if it's punctured and therefore it is valid but if they do not move then it is a terfa uh, because then we know for certain that no wind no air is coming into there <laughs>
בכ"ז, ראה שתשמע בה הברה כשנופחין עופה, אם ניכר מקום שממנו תשמע ההברה, כמו שבין עליו רוק או תבן וכי עושה בו, אם נתנדנד בידוע שהיא נקובה וטרפה, ואם לא ניכר מקום, כמו שבין עוזח במים כושרים ונופחין עוזח. אם בקבק המים, טרפה. אם לאו, וידוע שקירום התחתון בלבד הוא של ניכר, והרוח תנהר בין שני הקירומות, ומפני זה יישמע בה קול דממה בשעת נפיחה. אוקיי. Okay. By the way, uh, here on the bottom, there's a picture here where you can see uh, the lung being put in water and then it being blown into, uh, which is relevant both for the previous halacha and for this halacha. A lung which, uh, when blown into, a little uh, like sound is heard, right? Uh, right? And a little sound being heard uh, seems to indicate that there is a puncture somewhere, right? That a little bit of air is coming out, like a flute. Kind of, right? Um, if we, it is recognizable where the, which, which area, which place, exact location of the lung uh, that from, uh, that uh, in which we're, he- that we're hearing the little noise from there, right? If, if we can tell which area uh, is causing the noise, then we put a little bit of spit or straw and anything else like that on that area. If, and then we blow, if we, uh, when we blow, we see that it moves, then we know with certainty that it is punctured and therefore terifa, right? Because, right, the difference between this case and the previous case, which if it moved, then it was keshira, was in the previous case, we ripped it open, right? To see that it wasn't sealed. Here, we never touched it, right? So if there is a hole, that's a problem, right? So if it moves, then we know that there's a puncture there, and that's why it, it moved, because some air uh, was released outwards towards the straw or the spit. But if we don't know where, this, where the place is, right, we couldn't identify where the sound is coming from, uh, then what we do is we take the entire lung and we place it in lukewarm water, and then we blow into it. If, when we blow into it, the water starts to bubble, then it is a terifa, right? Because it's bubbling because some water, some air is escaping from the hole in the lung. But if it doesn't bubble, then we know, it's, then we know that it is only the lower uh, membrane that was punctured. And... Uh, Right, that, that there is no puncture that goes all the way through the lung uh, because, because otherwise there would have been bubbles, right? So we see that the lung is sealed and it's only the lower uh, membrane that is uh, punctured. And the air uh, is going between the two membranes and that is the sound that is heard at the time of the blowing um right so uh right as we explained earlier we saw that there were two uh two uh membranes in the pleural sac 
One was the visceral pleura, well, that's the lower one that's closer to the lung. And the, and the other one is the parietal pleura, which is closer to the chest wall. Chest wall. Right? So here it's only the visceral pleura, which is, uh, which is, um, which is punctured, and air goes in through that puncture into the pleural cavity, and that is the noise that is being heard. Now, uh, I assume that this is the reason that some people do not want to explain that the qirum tahton is referring to the visceral pleura, since normally there is no air in the pleural cavity. Uh, right, as we said before, the pleural cavity has fluid in it, and there is no air there. And if there is, that is a problem. Um, so I would note that in this case, uh, what Rabin was saying here is not that it normally has air in this area, right? It's not that it's not that air. When he says he's not saying that that's normally the case. He's saying that this is only the case when it is the uh, the lower membrane that is punctured. Only in that case does air get into the pleural cavity between the two membranes, right? And yes, that is a problem, right? Uh, that is uh, 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 that is an illness um, that can be very serious, um, and it is something that can cause a pneumothorax. Uh, uh, pneumothorax can de can develop if air is allowed in, uh, like into the pleural cavity. Uh, either through damage to the lung or damage to the chest wall. Right? If air gets into that area, uh, and then a, a pneumothorax is a collection of, of air that should not be in this area, right? If too much air gets in there, it can cause the lung to collapse, uh, and, that, and that would be fatal, uh, or could be fatal, right? So, um, so this can be... This can cause uh, disease, but it doesn't necessarily cause a pneumothorax, um, right? So I think that this still is referring to the uh, pleural, uh, the visceral pleura, and uh, and that's how I understand this. Otherwise, I don't I don't see how this halacha can be explained. Halacha chet ze ikar gadol uh, this is a large principle that you should hold on to. Any lung which, when blown into, when it is placed in lukewarm water, and when blown into does not cause bubbles in the water, this Lung is a whole lung and is free from all uh, punctures. Okay, this is the uh, Benu here tells us that th this is a large principle that if you ever want to check to see if there's a puncture in the lung, you can do this test. And if there's no bubbles in the water, then it's with certainty that there is no puncture. Al <laughs> Right, so 
ואם נמוך אפילו סימפון אחד, תרף ה... אוקיי, like a kiton, kiton, uh, right, this is referring to some sort of, a kiton literally means like a pitcher. Uh, what's, what's, what this means is that uh, a, a lung that's been kind of liquefied, right, that it's, uh, it's been, uh, it's, uh, right, it's some sort of illness. Uh, I think that this is referring to a lung abscess or, uh, or lung uh, neurosis, um, which are a type of, uh, this is a type of uh, liquefactive neurosis, which causes tissue to die, and then pus uh, to collect in that space. Um, it is a type of disease that causes, uh, uh, that causes uh, the lungs uh, to kind of, that causes the lung tissue to kind of die. Okay, um, and even become a little liquidy. Draw um, a picture that you can see here. This is, for example, one, right? We can see here, uh, this lung abscess here in the middle. Um, but note that Rabbeinu says, and it's up, right? So, a, a, so the lung that is liquefied, that's like spilling, like... Uh, like the way that it would with a pitcher, uh, but that the upper membrane of it is full and whole without any puncture, right? So that is clearly not the case. I'm sorry. That's clearly not the case in this picture, right? Here we have a case of a neurosis, of an abscess that does have a puncture in the upper limit and the upper membrane. Here is another case of a lung abscess. Here, there, it's there. It's not, there is no puncture, right? So this would be a case of what Rabbein was talking about. So there could be a long abscess with a puncture and there can be one without a puncture, right? So in our halakha, there is no puncture in the Kirum Elyon. If there were a puncture, then it would be terifa because there's a puncture. Uh, I mean, that would be clear. If there is no puncture, then if the uh, bronchioles uh, in the uh, lung are still standing as they were, and they and they were not like melted, right? They weren't uh, liquefied. Then the uh, then the animal is kshira. But if uh, even only one bronchiole were uh, liquefied, then it is a terifa. Okay, that is the the check to see if it is kshira or not. It's not all seen. No kevin otha. ושהופכין אותה בכלי שהוא שבוע בעבר וכי עושה בו. אם נראה בה פוטין לבנים, בידוע שנימוק הוא הסימפונות וטרפה, ואם לאו, בשר הריאה בלבד הוא שנימוק וכשרה. אוקיי, so what do we do? We puncture it and we spill, uh, we spill the lung, right? Because uh, the lung has become liquidy in the area, right? So we spill it into a uh utensil that is clear right that is like uh made of glass or something like this right something that is transparent uh if we see in the liquid if we see uh white strings 
right? Which these white strings would be the bronchioles, right? This would be the symponoff. So then we know with certainty that the bronchioles have also like melted, have also liquefied. And it is a terefa. But if we don't see these white strings, then we say that it is only the flesh of the lung which has liquefied, uh, and therefore it is kshira. Oh, <laughs> Okay. Um, so here also we're introduced to something, uh, an, another kind of disease. Avabu'ot are uh, literally like bubbles. Okay? These refer to uh, pulmonary belts. A belt is a small collection of air uh, between the lung and its outer surface and the, the visceral pleura. Um, and see here a picture, for example. Okay, so here we see a lung, the lung, and here in the middle here we see a bua, a bubble, right? And this uh, this is a bell. This is called a belb, right? And this belb forms uh, because it either contains air or some sort of liquid, usually air, um, and right, and then it pressures up like this. Um, sometimes uh, these buot can rupture, right? And when one of them breaks, then air escapes also into the chest cavity, the chest wall, um, and causes a pneumothorax, like we said earlier, uh, which uh, which is air in area that it shouldn't be in, and that can cause the lung to collapse in cases of severe emphysema, right? So. Uh, these buot are dangerous if they rupture, but they aren't necessarily dangerous on their own. Uh, in addition, there could be a nekep, a puncture, that is under these buot. So this is what we are now going to talk about and see. So a lung that we find in it, many of these belbs, if the belbs were filled with air or with clear water or with a fluid, that flows like honey and something like this. I think that's referring to pus, right? Uh, some sort of heavy liquid or heavy fluid that uh, moves slowly like honey, right? Um, I, I'm not certain, but I think this is referring to pus. Uh, uh, or a fluid that is dry and hard, even like, like a rock, right? Um, then this is permitted. But if we find in the belb a fluid that is uh, that is siruha uh, that it, that uh, smells bad, or uh, water that smells bad, or is uh, uh, very unclear. Right, it's very uh, it's like grayish and it's not transparent. Right, uh, the word's escaping me right now, but 
that you can't uh, see through the water, right? It looks very dark and like dirty. Then this is a terefa. And when we remove the fluid in order to check it, right? Because we need a puncture. How do we how do we check this? We puncture the uh, the bell the what what is inside it, right? If it's air or some sort of fluid. So when we remove the fluid in order to check it, we also need to check the bronchiole that is under the uh, the bell. If we see that the bronchiole under it uh, has a puncture, then it is also terefa, right? Even if the water were fine, right? So if we puncture the bell and we see that it has just air or clear water or something like this, uh, which would make it fine, we have to also check to make sure that there's no puncture in the bronchial under it. And if there is, then that is also terefa. Okay. A lung that in which we find two bells together that are one next to the other, right? Uh, this can happen, this happens often that multiple bells form uh, uh, one next to the other. Um, and sometimes uh, they can even come together and form a bulla, or, or which is a bulla is a type of, it's like a larger fit. Um, and it's basically, it's essentially the same as a bell, but just its size is larger. Um, right, so if there are two bells, one next to the other, then it is a terefa, right? We can see this in the picture over here on the bottom left. We see the two bells, one next to the other. Because, uh, and Rabbeinu says, and this is a terefa, since it is very common that there is a uh, puncture is between them. And there is no way to check this, right? So here, for example, where this arrow is, so there's a puncture here at the, whole, uh, at the, uh, uh, at the area where the two bells come together. And there's no way to check this since the bells are covering the puncture and you can't, you can't check it because uh, just by removing it, it would also puncture. Uh, you can't check that, and it's something that happens often. Uh, so as soon as we have two together, we say automatically that it is a terefa. If there were one that looks like two, right? so here is the one that looks like two, meaning that they've kind of come together and formed one larger bulb, as I said earlier, uh, one larger bala, as I said earlier. Um, so now, what we uh, what we do is we puncture one of them. If we see that the fluid or the air that is in one of them flows into the other, then we know then we say that they're actually one, right? Because the fluid flows from one to the other, so they're actually one because there's one cavity. But and, and then it is permitted. But if it does not flow from one to the other, uh, then we consider them as two separate bulbs, and it would therefore be terefa, uh, like we said earlier in the halacha. Lecha yod bet. 
a lung that has uh, melted, right? I mean, not really melted, but has uh, has uh, totally decomposed, right? It was like have been destroyed or something like this. It is terefa. How kesad keron shen nimset shelema uchetolin otha techatech vatipol hatichot hatichot. Right? How so? So what what are we talking about when we're talking about this melted uh, lung? So uh, such as if we were to find it to be totally whole, whole right? We see a, a whole lung. But then if we were to hang it up by, like, hang it up onto something, then it would uh, fall apart and, like, pieces would just fall, right? So it's so decomposed that uh, pieces would just start falling off from it, right? It would crack and just fall apart. Uh, so this is... Called a reaction Okay, a lung that a uh, puncture was found in it, in the place that a that the butcher normally uh, moves his hand to check to check it. So this is uh, permitted, right? So as I said, so the so normally the butch the butcher uh, needs to check in the lung to see if there are any adhesions, right? As we said in the previous halacha, and if there are adhesions, then there, he needs to check to see if there is a puncture, right? So when he's, so he, what he normally does is he takes his hand and he rubs it along the uh, the rib cage, right, where it connects with the lung, to see if he feels any adhesions, right? And that's how he knows uh, to check, right? So if while he's doing this, uh, so so he has a certain location where he does this, right? If uh, you then look at this location and you find that there is a puncture in the place that the butcher moved his hand, then this is permitted because we uh, uh, we, uh, we presume that the puncture occurred because of his hand, that he that he caused the puncture while uh, he he checked after he had already slaughtered it. Um, and that's why it is permitted. If, however, we find a puncture in a different place, right? Meaning not in the, uh, or in a, in a different place, not in the place that he normally moves his hand. And we don't know if this puncture was caused prior to the slaughter or if it was after the slaughter that was punctured. Then what we do is we do a puncture in a separate place and we see uh, and we compare them. Um, just like we do regarding the intestines which we saw in the previous chapter right meaning we make uh, a another uh, puncture and we look and we compare the two punctures if they look the same then we say that it occurred after the uh, the slaughter uh, since they look the same but if they don't look the same then uh, you can tell the difference between a puncture that is made after the slaughter and a puncture that is made before the slaughter and therefore we would say it's a terifa. 
ואין מדמין מריאה של לבהמה דקה, מריאה של לבהמה גסה, אלא מדקה לדקה. ומגסה לרסה. אוקיי. And when we do this comparison, um, we do not compare between a lung from a uh, small animal, right, like a sheep, right, or something like this, to the lung of a thick animal, like an ox. Rather, we compare from uh, a small animal to a small animal or from a thick animal to a thick animal, right? We do... Comparisons that are are uh, that are actually similar. Nimsah nekev be'echad min ha'ba'aburot harizot terefa we'en omerim nikov ha'ba'abua acher v'na'aroch she'en ha'davar nikar. Okay. If, however, we found a puncture that was inside one of these uh, bulbs, right, one of these bubbles, then we say that this is a ter. Right, and we don't say let's make a puncture in another uh, in another uh, bulb and compare and see if maybe they look the same or they don't look the same because this is something that you can't you can't tell the difference between uh, a puncture in a bulb that happened before slaughter and a puncture in a bulb that happened after slaughter. As I said earlier, I'm, I'm not sure uh, how. A, even forget the the bulb, a puncture in in just in a regular puncture, how the puncture would look different if it were done before the slaughter or after the slaughter. I'm not sure how that would look different, and that is something that I guess one has to really be able to tell us. בידוע שזאת המחט דרך סימפונות נכנסה ולא נעקבה, ואם נתחתך הריאה קודם נפיחה, ונמסת בה המחט, הרי זו אסורה. זה דבר קרוב הרבה, כי נעקבה כשנכנסה. A needle that is found inside the lungs. What do we do regarding it? We blow the lung, and if no... Uh, air exited from the lung, right? Meaning you didn't hear any, or you didn't see, you didn't feel any, or hear any air exiting from some hole. Then we know with certainty, since there's no puncture, we know with certainty that this uh, this uh, uh, needle or this nail entered through the uh, the bronchioles into the lung, and that it didn't pierce. And puncture the lung. But if the lung were cut, right, if it had some cuts prior to us blowing into the lung, and we found the nail inside it, then it, this animal is prohibited, since most likely what happened is that it uh, pierced and punctured when it entered into the lung. Cut it off. תולעת שהייתה בריאה ונקבה ויסעה, והרי הריאה נקובה בתולעת, הרי זו מותרת. חזקתה שאחר שחיתה תקרוב ותסע. 
a worm, right? This is referring to like a tapeworm, right? That uh, was living in the lungs or something like this, right? A, uh, a worm that was in the uh, lung and punctured and then left the lung, right? So it's inside the lung and then it punctured the lung and left it. Uh, and then ended up being that the lung were punctured because of the worm. This is permitted since the presumption is that uh, it is only after the slaughter that the worm punctured and left the lung. Uh, right. Uh, we say it's normally after the puncture, after the, after the slaughter, the, the lung uh, uh, cools down, right? And then most likely is when the uh, the 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 uh, worm uh, leaves the lung. Yesh sham marot sheim nishtana marae haever leotho hamarae hara hare hu kenakuv sheotho habasar shen nishtana marav nemarae ze kemeth hu hashuv uchilu otho habasar nepach eno enu masui. Uh, okay, there are uh, some uh, uh, appearances, right, or colors that if the, then uh, this is referring to any organ, not just the lung, that if an organ changed its appearance to that same bad appearance, right, that it looks uh, bad, then this is considered as if it is punctured, right? Meaning the change of the color is sufficient to say that it is as if it is punctured. Uh, since that same flesh that changes its appearance to this other appearance is considered as if the flesh is dead. Um, and because it's dead, it's as if that, that same flesh whose very matter changed, uh, it, we consider it as if it doesn't even exist, right? As if it were removed, uh, right? Since it's like dead flesh. And so too, the pasuk say, the verse says, uh, this is regarding a sara'at, right? The various uh, skin ailments uh, that uh, cause a human to be considered mitzvah uh, or have a leprosy or something like this, right? These are alachot in different uh, sections of the Mishneh Torah, which we will see later. Um, so uh, the Pasuk says, and there is a patch of live flesh uh, together with the uh, se'et. The se'et is uh, the area that is infected, right? right? The area that is white and has changed color and is infected in the skin, uh, right? So, right. So it says a patch of live flesh is together with that, and so too. And on the day in which live flesh is seen, right? Since we see that the healthy skin is called live flesh. From here we can see that the rest of the flesh that changes its color, right, the se'et, is not considered live, right? Since the, the healthy skin is called live flesh, then the unhealthy skin, uh, by deduction, would be 
dead skin or dead flesh. A lung whose color changes, whether the entire, uh, right, whose appearance changes, or whether the entire appearance, uh, the entire appearance of the lung, right, I mean the whole surface of the lung changes, or even just a little part of the lung changes, right, if it changed to a an appearance that is permitted, even if the entire lung changed, it is still permitted. And if it changed to the color that is prohibited, even just a little bit, then it is a terifa, because the uh, color that is prohibited is considered as if it is a puncture, right? Just as we explained, right? And since it's considered as a puncture, and even just a small puncture is prohibited, as we saw earlier. Now, Rabbein will give the list of colors or appearances that are considered prohibited. And there are five uh, appearances or five colors that are prohibited in the lung. And these are they. If it is black like ink, or if it is uh, green, or yarok can mean green, but it can also mean like yellow. Or a greenish yellow color. So if it is a uh, green like uh, kishut, kishut um, in modern Hebrew we call kishut uh, like hops, like the plant, uh, the plant hops that is used also for brew brewing beer and other things like this. Uh, we call that kishut, and it also has this green color. Uh, though to the um, the Yochai Makbili version here, uh, they uh, Think that cuscuta plant is what is being referred to here. Um, I don't know to say which one is correct, um, but that is the, the, those are two uh, two plants that have very similar greenish tint. Or so that's two, three. If it's like the um, yolk of an egg, right? So uh, like a yellowish color. Or a four, if it is like uh, a haria, which is a safflower. A safflower is a type of uh, plant that has seeds that are used uh, for uh, uh, very popular today to make uh, vegetable oil. Uh, so they're uh, bred uh, commercially for that. Or fifth, uh, if they are uh, like the color of flesh. Right, flesh being like reddish, brownish, right? Uh, the color of of, of meat. Um, now Rabenu adds regarding the haria, regarding the safflower, that this is a plant that is also used 
to dye clothing. And it is very similar to, uh, it, like it looks like hair, like little reddish hairs, um, but it also has a tinge to it that looks a little green, but somewhere between greenish reddish, uh, something like that. Okay, if we find the lung is the color of the branches of the palm tree, right? So very much like the lulav that we see, right? Which has like this green color, right? So then we prohibit it. We say it's prohibited out of doubt because that's very close to the colors that we said are prohibited. Okay, all of these prohibited colors that we said, we don't prohibit it until we blow into the lung and we uh, kind of rub it with our hands. Um, right? All this to try and like give it life, right? If when we do these things, its color changes back to the color that is permitted, then it is permitted, right? So if we see that it is black like ink, and then when we blow into it and rub it a little bit, it goes back to its normal color, its pinkish color, that's the color of the, of the, of the lung, or if it goes to any color that's per permitted, as we'll see in the next halacha, then it is permitted. But if it remains in its same color, meaning the same black, for instance, then it is prohibited. There are four prohibited colors or appearances that are in the uh, in the uh, lung. And these are they. First, if it is shihara kohal. Kohal is a like this dark blue, right? Like the word kahol, right? Which means blue in modern Hebrew. So here it's like this dark blue tinge. Uh, and when it says black, Rabbeinu does shihara. He doesn't mean black really. He means like very dark, right? Shihara he just means dark. And dark blue can be very dark, very close to black, right? So if it's very dark, like this dark blue, or if it is green, like hasir, hasir is leek, uh, like, like a vegetable, or if it is a red, it's three, and four, if it looks like the uh, liver. The liver is also kind of red, but a little bit like reddish brownish. Right? And even if the uh, entire uh, lung was made up of these little spots and dots uh, that were uh, composed of these four colors, it is still permitted, right? Like that would, like a person might think that that looks like it's ill and it would be terifa, but uh, the halakha is that no, it doesn't matter even if it has a lot of dots like that and whatever, it still is considered permitted.
הלכה כף. עוף שנפל לאור והוריק ליבו או כבדו או כבנו או שהדימו המעיים שלו בכל שהוא, הרי זו טרפה. וכל הירוקים שהדימו והאדומים שהוריקו מחמת האור בעוף, הרי הן כמי שנתקלו וטרפה. והוא שיעמדו במראה זה אחר ששולט עם אותן מעט וממרסים בהן. אוקיי. אוקיי. Uh, right, and this green is like a greenish yellow, right? right? And if the intestines, which are normally green, turn red, right? So either the red turn green or the green turn red, uh, and even just a little bit in any of these, then this is considered a terefa. Uh, because anything that is normally green that turns red, or anything that is normally red that turns green because of fire in the case of a bird, Uh, these are considered as if they were removed and are a terefa. Netula uh, is another one of the uh, eight forms of terefot, as we saw in the beginning of chapter five. Um, and uh, even though in this perek we're dealing with nekuva, with the, uh, with the uh, terefa that is... that is about puncturing, since Rabbeinu just finished talking about the changing of colors in, uh, uh, the changing of colors and organs that are considered as if they are uh, punctured, so he saw fit to bring this, uh, this case also next to it, because here also we're talking about changing colors, even though in the bird, they are considered to be netula uh, and not nekuva. They're considered to be removed and not considered to be punctured. Um, so these are considered as if they're uh, removed and they are a terifa. But this is so long as they uh, uh, remain in that same color after uh, we take that organ and we boil it in water just a little bit and shake it a little bit, right? So if we were to take the heart, which is normally red, but turn green, and we boil it a little bit and shake it a little bit, and then it remains green, then it is a terifa. But if it, it changed back to being red, then it is permitted. Al-Kha Kafalif. Kol of shen nimset kaved shelo kemar'e b'nei me'av, o shen ishtannu she'ar b'nei me'av, wa'amidu b'shinnuya machar shelika umrisa'a, kemo shebe'arnu b'yadu'a shen nafal ha'ur, wa'nehmeru b'nei me'av, u'trifa. Okay. Any bird... that we find that its liver is like the color of the intestines, right? Meaning that we see a liver that's greenish, or that its intestines changed uh, and remain, right, changed to red, and, and remained in the changed color after it has been, uh, in, has been boiled and like, played with a little bit, 
as we just explained in the previous halacha, right? So in the previous halacha, we saw that we saw the bird fall into the fire. Here, we didn't see the bird fall into the fire. We just find the uh, the uh, organs and we see that they change color. So now, biadua, it is certain that they fell into the fire and its intestines were burnt and therefore is a terefa, right? Meaning, so if we don't know regarding these, uh, regarding uh, these, uh, we don't know regarding this bird if it fell into the fire, but we see that they behave in this way, so then we assume, uh, we assume that it, it fell into a fire and was burnt, and that's why it is behaving this way. Moreover, um, if a if the uh, the intestines of the bird uh, we find that they didn't have any change, meaning so that they were green, right? And then the intestines and the uh, liver were boiled together, and then uh, the red, the red uh, meaning the liver, right? Because the liver is red and the intestines are green, and the green, and as we said, the intestines did not change colors, right? So, and then the liver, which are red, turn green as a product of this boiling together with the uh, with the uh, intestines. Then we know with certainty that also it fell into a fire and that its intestines were burnt. And that and it is considered a terefa, meaning that because of the uh, the intestines, even though they remained green, but because they uh, since they they caused the red to change to green, from here we can see that they were burnt. And so too the the esophagus, which right as we said we said earlier in one of the earlier chapters we explained regarding the esophagus that it is. That it has two uh, membranes, right? One membrane which is uh, pink, and another membrane which is white, right? The inner one is white, and the outer one is pink, um, right? So if we find in the esophagus that the inner one is uh, uh, that the outer one is white, and the inner one is is pink or red, right? Meaning the other way than it should be regardless of whether it's in the bird or if it's in the domesticated animal, this is also as if it doesn't exist, as if it's removed and considered a terifa. With that, we conclude chapter 